Hello, Docalos, and welcome to the Documenteers podcast. I am your always host, Bob Sham. Here on the Documenteers, each week, myself and a fellow enthusiast discuss a documentary in a sometimes serious and often silly way. We discuss it, we discuss the issues the documentary discusses, and then we judge the documentary with our intense Herzog rating system. Welcome to the show this February. We're visiting some critically acclaimed documentaries that we might have missed in 2018, all leading up to the Academy Awards, a program I very likely won't be watching. Which documentary will win the best of in its category? My guess is the Mr. Rogers one. We will see what the internet says late that night, and it will be very embarrassing if that one doesn't get nominated because I said it will win. This week, my old pal Eldridge and myself discuss quite the emotional roller coaster, a film about growing up in a beaten down town, a first-hand account of domestic violence, friendship, skateboarding, and growing the fuck up in Bing Lu's Hulu original documentary, Minding the Gap. This is often a spoilery podcast. We go through these movies pretty good, and I'm not sure how well we convey the natural drama that's in this film. We will let you decide that. I would just like to implore you to check this film out if you have not seen it. I think this might be one that deserves to be seen on its own visual merit. And then you can zip on over to your Apple Podcasts slash Stitcher slash Spotify slash SoundCloud slash iHeartRadio podcast feed to hear this movie filtered through our nonsense. Your level of concern is up to you. I'm just making a recommendation. Next week on the best documentary podcast on earth and maybe the universe, Akil lays down naked on this faux bearskin rug because that's how we record the podcast to discuss a biographical doc on one of the most revered singers in modern popular music. We're talking, of course, about the late Whitney Houston and Kevin McDonald's Whitney. So much tragedy surrounding that family. It got its fair share of buzz in 2018, and Akil and I are going to break down the sordid tale for you. That's next week here on the documenteers if you've been listening for a bit you know how we like them clips and love to have fun but when i play little song clips i should hit y'all up with who did them sure it took me over 60 episodes to make that very basic realization but hey we're all learning here i like the idea of doing this at the top of the episode kind of gives the show a fun preview of the randomness they're in for on with the credits and this stark documentary set in rockford illinois we got a few clips of some favorites from Cheap Trick, the classic power pop band is native to Rockford. More about that in the episode. Then we play a bit of an original song by a dude named Mr. Harold, who sings kids songs on YouTube. And you hear a moment of this in his Black History song for kids. You can find that on YouTube under Fyuch, F-Y-U-T-C-H. I only heard that one song and nothing else. So I hope he's not a, a weirdo or a child molester or something. You will also hear a snippet of some deep late 80s R&B with Terry Tate's Babies Having Babies. A few bars from Tyler, the creator's Oblivion from Odd Future's classic 2010 album Radical. A bit of instrumental of John Denver's classic Take Me Home, Country Road. And we will trail off in the end with original music from this film, Minding the Gap by Nathan Halpern and Chris Ruggiero. Well, that's fun. Makes me feel kind of legit reading all those credits. I should do that more often. Also, let me make a correction for something wrong you will hear in this episode. The song Surrender did not appear on the Cheap Trick album In Color. It was released as a single 
and I don't believe appeared on a full LP until live at Budokan. There, corrected. I'm so sorry for anyone in the future that is outraged, especially Rick Nielsen. I wonder if Rick Nielsen ever strangled anyone to death with a guitar strap. For some reason, I can picture it very easily. I'm not saying Rick Nielsen has murdered people. I'm just asking questions, man. Enough of this nonsense. On to the film, Hulu's original Minding the Gap by Bing Liu. DocumentearsPodcast.com. And also, if I may be so bold, keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. You know, you don't grow up thinking that's the way you are. When you're a kid, you just do, you just act. And then somewhere along the line, everyone loses that. Welcome to the Document Here's Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Sit on down. Let's talk about docs. Let's get our docs off right now. Eldridge, it's February. Yes, it is. We're fastly tumbling towards the Academy Awards at the end of the month. Also, shout out to Black History Month. Black History is the story of you and me. Black History goes way back for centuries. Black History did not start with. This is the one time that it's okay for everyone to not say African-American because not all black people are African. That's I mean, are American. <laughs> all black people are African, though, but not all black people are African-American. Interesting. Black history is everyone's history. Make sure you walk up to a black person and say, thank you. <laughs> In Paris, would they call them like French African? Probably just say some horrible slur. Yeah, oh, for sure. Then throw a banana skin on the soccer pitch. Right, those are the Italians. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it happened in England, too. You know, Europe. Yeah, well, England. England? They hate you if you're Polish. Yeah. And that's just another white person. England hate, English people hate you if you just have the wrong accent. You scouser. <laughs> Fucking scousers. You know, we got a class system, too. We yeah. just pretend it's not yeah. there. I think the thing about the American class system, except obviously if you're a certain race, that sometimes you can fake it. Yeah, you can. Sometimes you can, like, have a day where, like, you're full of shit and you're kind of rolling. Yeah. But, like, that usually goes away quick unless you're oh, yeah. in a certain status. Once someone stares at you long, it's like looking at, like, a car from a distance, like a used car to a lot. It's like, damn, the car's clean. And then once you keep looking at it, it's like, oh, it's like, hmm, that car yeah. kind of smells weird. On Clueless, it's like a Monet. Yeah, right? yeah. That's they did looks call it. looks better far away than it does mm-hmm. up close. Yeah. Clueless, great film. It's a fantastic film. I stand behind that. At that, me. Oh, people love Clueless. Yeah. It's become like a, a genuine, oh, I- really? iconic kind of cult film. Yeah. yeah, I'm not into the, the hats anymore. Oh, yeah. Clueless. Yeah. You, you don't have to feel guilty for loving Clueless. Oh, that's a weight off my shoulders. It's, it's always weight on me. It's a good film. Amy Heckerly. Yeah, also full of class. There's some weird class shit in that movie, too. Yeah. And it is very 90s, but I kind of like that about it. Kind of, It's like a good 90s film. Mm-hmm. As if. Am I right? <laughs> As if. Aaron, the movie we're watching... We are recording before they've announced the nominees. Right, right. When people hear this, they'll know whether or not we're right. Oh, cool. I've always wanted to do a predictor. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking that one is going to be uh, If Bill Street Could Talk, by, um, the same director who did Moonlight. I'm talking about 
best documentaries. Oh, but that's damn. a good one. That's that's probably you know one. what it's Moonlight, yeah, great film. Yeah, great film. But let, let's just let's roll that back. Let's pretend that never happened. So, best documentaries definitely. I would like to think that the one that I saw with you uh, last time would be in there. Hell County? Yeah, Hell County. You know, it's interesting when I was looking up critics lists, mm-hmm. I felt very validated because that's not a movie a lot of people saw. Yeah. Our seeing it in the theater was the best way to see it. Yeah, definitely. But I felt very strongly about that one. I still do. Me too. And But there, it was on a lot of critics lists. Yeah, it was a tour de force. It was kind of one of those ones like, this is the one most people didn't see, but it's really good. I liked it so much. I know we've already reviewed it, but again, I felt so strongly just because I was enveloped in these people's lives. There was no distraction. You know what I mean? There was very little intrusion intrusion by the uh, director. Critics list don't mean that much to me, but like I kind of, mm-hmm. I cycle through them and I and it helps me to mm-hmm. show me movies I missed. And yeah, just a key. You don't have to accept anything anybody says. You just love what you love. Don't even accept our ratings. Go watch your movies and make your own decisions. Yeah, your own like rating system. As long as it's not a star rating system, like some damn pleb. I read, you know, articles, which was the first time I read the articles at the end of the year list. Yeah. And they were saying all the things that the documenteer said oh. like fucking two and a half oh. months before all that bullshit. Oh, snap. It's so tired of being a trendsetter, man. I mean, come on. It's really getting annoying. It's yeah. just like, God. Who's the head that wears the crown? We're yeah. talking about this one. <laughs> yeah, let's get to this movie. <laughs> this movie. Documentary. By Bing Liu. Bing Liu. Called Minding the Gap. Aaron, what documentaries do you think are going to be nominated? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I, I, haven't, I don't really get out and watch current documentaries, I have to say. Hmm. hmm. Well, we're going to have to change that. But I think I really think that the if I had to say one, because it's really one of the two that I've seen that was in the theater, it's going to be that one we just saw, which was uh, Hale County. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if it was nominated, but I'd mm-hmm. be very happy if it was. Yeah, I would be too. What my, do you think? My guess, here's what I think the nominees are. Okay. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor will be nominated, and I think it'll win. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. I don't know. I don't know if you really get down into the technicals of it, if it mm-hmm. was the best of the year it was a five uh 10 out of 10 on this show oh yeah that's a good good but it affected everyone across a broad range mm-hmm. and no shit when i was watching that movie i was crying the whole time damn i felt like moved in totally different ways in the movie like hell county and this one that uh we're going to discuss i think would you be my neighbor is quality and it is also a, a feel-good one that can be like an easy one to grab a top then I think RBG is going to be nominated, but it's not going to win. Oh, yeah. God, you're, you got them all on deck. I think, uh, well, you know, I have a podcast about documentaries. Yeah, that does help. I think uh, Three Identical Strangers. Oh, is, yeah. That was on the show. Is going to get nominated. Those are three we've watched. Mm-hmm. I think this one should be nominated that we're going to talk today. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but I don't think it's going to be. I think it would be downright criminal if it wasn't nominated. Yeah, I think you're totally right. We're going to go ahead and say that this film we're going to watch, Minding the Gap, will be nominated, but it will not win. But would it deserve to win? Even if it was nominated alongside Hell County. I think it's one of those where, kind of like, you ever watch sports and then like you get a foul? Oh, it's a foul. And it's like, I don't know about that. I mean, I've seen it given. You Mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel that way about this show. It's like, oh, it's like, I like Hell County, but you know what? I've seen it given. I've seen, like, I feel like I would not be upset if this one got it. Minding the Gap by Bing Lu. Now, Bing Lu, he and his buddy uh, Kiari. Kier. Kier? I thought mm-hmm. it was Kier, Kiari. 
Maybe I have it wrong. No, Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are we going to say for the rest of the episode? Look, I've been saying Kier in my head for days now. Kier? Mm-hmm. You know what? I want to say that too. Yay. Kier. Let's find out. I, I can't wait till we find out that that's not how you say it. Anyways, yes. And Kier. then uh, Zach. We yeah, meet a Zach. Zach. Yeah. And the person. Uh, we meet other characters too, but these are kind of the main people. Bing Lu, the director, is also in kind of in this clique. We mm-hmm. don't see Bing Lu as much, but he does appear in a way that is, as far as, we'll get into this. Yeah, we'll get into it. They're in Rockford, Illinois, the home of Cheap Trick. (laughs) America's classic power pop, man. Yes, they are. That's right, Cheap Trick. Rick Nielsen, probably the coolest guy in rock and roll. Have you seen how he dresses? Like, pretty, like, I haven't seen him dress. Google Rick Nielsen. Yeah, let me get this And look here. how fucking cool he looks. Like Rick, like, Nielsen ratings? Yep, here we go. That's yeah, it. that sounds right. You know what? This guy is cool. He's so cool. Yeah, he's a pretty cool, he's a cool dude. He's like, he's a, he's a grown man, but he's dressed like a child, right? Yeah, it's like he's a little boy. Wow. He's almost like he's trying to do ACDC, but he couldn't quite get it right. Yeah, it is kind of a little uh, <laughs> little off from Angus Young. Yeah, a little, a little Angus Young. I saw Cheap Trick two years ago. He's still he's still, he's still still doing that. Well, good for him. Yeah, because he's pretty old, still doing it. I like it when, when people get old and they stick to the same thing they were doing. There and you know what? Xander sounds great. <laughs> still, I think. I don't know any Cheap Trick songs. Bunny Carlos isn't drumming with them anymore. I was felt like I was kind of making fun of him. Now I'm revealing that, yeah, I'm a I'm a cheap trick fan. It's okay, just embrace it. I am. I'm bra- I'll wrap my yeah. legs around it. Destroy that toxic masculinity that's making you feel that shame, Bobby. Whenever I hear the the Rockford, Illinois, mm-hmm. I always think of Cheap Trick. That's wild. But after watching this fucking movie. I'm definitely going to be thinking of this shit. <laughs> it's all going to be Bing Lu all day. Now, y'all, maybe you've, if you've heard a little bit about uh, Minding the Gap, you've heard that it's kind of like, it's some heavy shit. It's about these three friends. And they like, they're skateboarders. And uh, we see them climbing buildings, going past no trespassing signs, yeah, man. No, nah, man. The fucking system can't contain me, what man. What I want, man. What, man? Bro. And I believe it's Zach, because mm-hmm. Zach's the one that's always trying to say, like, very kind of folksy things sometimes. Yeah, he's pretty, he's definitely that folksy type guy, you yeah. know? Your whole life, society tells you, like, oh, be a man, and you're strong, and you're tough, and margaritas are gay, you know? Like, you know, you don't grow up thinking that's the way you are. When you're a kid, you just do, you just act. And then somewhere along the line, everyone loses that. You know, it's one of those things that, Every 15-year-old writes in their journal or says to a bunch of friends, and they think they are just the deepest person on the planet. We were all there. Oh, point. yeah. I'm, I've been, shit, I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I make myself do a weekly podcast about documentaries. But I don't know if y'all have actually heard the show. <laughs> this isn't film school here. People got to hear me, man, right? Yeah, yeah, get me in there. But the, the fun thing about this documentary, though, is that I mean, it is pretty heavy, but the way it starts out, it's, I just thought of my college experience. It was kind of tempered a bit, realizing these kids were 
much younger than we were when we were partying down. Yeah. But it reminded me of my college experience. Like, oh, yeah, gigantic old house. That's super cheap. All your buddies doing dumb shit, possibly injuring themselves, getting drunk. You know, it reminded me of my college experience, too. Mm-hmm. But these kids were in high school. It didn't quite remind me of my high school No, experience. that's definitely not my high school. I grew up out in the sticks, so it was like, you know, no one thought to have a skateboard. Like, what were you going to do? You had, like, a paved road. Occasionally, there was a church with some railings. Maybe kids yeah. could go there. But I didn't see many kids skateboarding out in the country. Nah, dude, this movie took me straight to my high school because, like, I grew up here in Nashville in the inner city. And, God, it seemed like everyone, every male at my school minus maybe 10 or in my class were all skaters. My class was like 40 people, but still, yeah. I'd say 75% of the dudes were skaters. It was ridiculous. The act of skateboarding in this movie, the idea of skateboarding and what it meant to these kids, one of the few beacons in this movie. Because not only is this like a, a real movie about growing up in a depressed town, yeah, it's also kind of at times a very good street skateboard video. I was thinking the same thing. It's almost, it's clear he has a street skating background, but the scenes where he's filming <clears throat> skateboarding in general, I feel like he, it's a good juxtaposition to the experiences they have in their everyday lives. And they harp on about this for so long. How, oh, I got to do this, got to do that, got to do that. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I get to skate. And you can see it in the way he films skating. Like the very opening part of the movie when he's just behind them and people are seamlessly hopping curbs and just weaving in and out. It was beautiful. And Bing Lu, he was that he was the kid in this group mm-hmm. that had the camera. Always had the Always camera. had a camera. We kind of go back and forth with their lives. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to tell because even when we see them later, they're still, they look like mid-20s at that point, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see them in high school and we see them in their 20s yeah. and and uh, and we see uh one scene where kiari is mm-hmm. did i say that right oh whatever do you just say it how you say it kiari <laughs> uh sorry buddy i hope i'm saying your name right <laughs> yeah he's he looks like he's 12 13 years old and he's in a fight oh yeah that was hard man it just pops back and forth to kind of show bing had all of this fucking footage tons of footage it was kind of creepy that he had so much footage of his friends this movie's only about an hour and a half long i guess 90 minutes is a long time it felt like it really went really fast for me when i was watching yeah same here yeah he could have had like a five hour long movie i'm sure if (laughs) he wanted to if he had no restraint and more ego because you don't get the vibe that bing has an extreme amount of ego maybe the least in the friend group in a lot of ways but definitely definitely less than zach let's get let's get into these before they said their names, I was writing them down based on their race in my notes. I felt so bad. I no, like, I did it too. It's okay. I was like, oh, thank God they named them. It's like white boy and black kid. Yeah, Asian kids. All up in Rockford, Illinois. But beautiful yeah. skateboarding shots. Bing is good with the camera. He is very good. and He's had a lifetime of practice. We see um, Kiari. We very quickly established that he has big conflicts at home. He's seen as a little different right. by his parents. That's honestly, when they talk to him the first time, that's when the movie takes its first shift yeah. towards a little bit more of a serious subject matter away from partying and skating. We see some of the most positive evolution. Actually, it seems like it's really positive for Bing, too. But mm-hmm. Bing is kind of selfless in the way he's setting people up. And a lot of his story is interpreted through people in his life around him, mm-hmm. brother and his mother, who we'll hear from. But Zach, he's the white boy. We see him smoking some weed. Yep. They roll up Hulk's legs up yep. in Rock Rockford. Listen to probably uh, In Color, that cheap trick record <laughs> In Color. All right. That's got Surrender on it. Daddy, 
They probably blast that shit. They just seem a little weird. Mm -hmm. You know they do. You know they do. Surrender, surrender, but don't give yourself away. Hey. He talked about how he ran away a lot. He said his parents seemed pretty loose at some point, and then they wanted to be like a conservative, proper family. Talking about Zach? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then he was pretty much the bad kid from there. And he was, and he said he was out of his house permanently by 16. I think the reason we get the level of access with these kids is because Bing is their day one. Bing is both Zach's and Kier's day one. You know what I'm saying? Like Bing's been there from the beginning. And so because of that, they're willing to open up to him in ways I think any other document, document, uh, what do you say this? Documentary director, he wouldn't have this level of access. Yeah. It was, it'd be impossible. This is so personal for Bing. Like, I because of this movie, I'm like, I want to see whatever else this kid does. Yeah. But at the same time, is it ever possible that he would be able to make something ever this personal ever again? I find it hard to believe, but I think he could shoot it incredibly well. I have no question yeah. he can make another beautiful piece of work if he wants to. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to see a movie this sincere and this personal like this year. No, like, I haven't not. even watched the documentaries in 2019 yet. Well, I think what happens is uh, the way the film starts with all the partying, it, it disarms you a little bit with the partying. And then when he's talking to Kier about, hey, what happened when you pretty much had this row with your dad? That's the first moment you get that, A, glimpse into how truly terrible these kids' home lives are. But two, you also see the first glimmers of the shame that comes along with domestic violence. Yeah. And the shame and the secrecy. Because when he asked them, he almost, it's like he runs away. Because Kiro, despite being kind of modest, seems to be this very outgoing type guy. But when he brings this up, Kiro kind of shrinks, he vanishes. And then he's like, well, nowadays they call that child abuse. And yeah. he couldn't skate after this happened. So it's like, damn, he got fucked up. I mean, you could tell it's something that weighs heavy on his mind. And it's, it's specifically his relationship with his father is what he's referencing. Yeah, because his father beats him. And, uh, folks, this movie is heavy. And... I feel like we're tiptoeing around a lot of things, trying to lead up to things here, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to be, I'm trying, I'm wondering how I'm going to approach this movie because I can easily, I can easily see things in my life in parts of this movie. Yeah. I think I can too. And the parts that I don't see directly, I can see it in people I know. Oh yeah. People reminding me of people I know and care about and I've known for years. Mm -hmm. And like with Zach, the, like everyone knows everyone's every town has a Zach. Every school has a Zach. Oh yeah. He's the bad kid, but he's cool as fuck. And it makes you feel good when he's nice to you. But that mm -hmm. also means that he's got control over people. He yeah. has a sense of control. Mm -hmm. And much like Kiari, he he definitely alludes to some, a lot of corporal punishment yeah. in his house coming up. And um, he's got a girlfriend. That's Nina. Yeah, yeah. And she's pregnant when we first meet her. And, um, he, and he's going through this list of things he's not supposed to do with yeah. Nina. It's like he's talking it out like gotta change it up nina's pregnant <laughs> yeah. he has anxieties about adulthood but then we learn a little more about kiari when bing asked him hey what happened because he got in a fight with his dad basically he just doesn't want to he's a kid he doesn't want to go work some carpentry job when he yeah. can just go out skating his dad wants him to be a carpenter because yeah. he's the youngest in the family right and his brother the brother wouldn't do it his brother just runs the streets yeah his brother's like a, he's like a gangbanger like not not like in that sense where people say, oh, that gangbang. No, dude's probably, he's into some shit. When we meet him, he talks about how I have to go spend a few days in jail. Yeah. 
and Kiari's mother, he wants him to get serious. And it's not long after that that we see Kiari getting like beat up on film. He looks 12, 13. Yeah, this old. is flashback here. Fucking wrong with you? Throwing your fucking boy at me? Much bigger kid. <laughs> yeah, and but Kiari, he gets one of the kids boards. Still want to fight me now? Uh, skateboards. When we say boards, that's the yeah. That's what the kids call the skateboard. Yeah, dude. Don't be something like lame, dude. Yeah, skateboard, don't be lame. We're board. really cool. Yeah, and, we're really plugged uh, in. Real with it, and we call skateboards. That's what that's what lame people call them. Skateboards. We call them boards. Call them boards. Yeah. So Gary takes his board and keeps smashing it, and, it, and over he has to hit this thing <laughs> yeah. like twenty times. Classic move. You get pissed off at a skater, take the board, stomp it. And we're getting bits of Kiari and edited in yeah. to like kind of frame who he is and what he's about, what troubles him as it's going through that. He's just taking another hit on the board, yeah. another hit on the board. And he's such a little dude too. Still want to fight me now? He's, he was so tiny and he could not break this damn board. It was kind of a, like embarrassing at a certain point. He referenced uh, about getting disciplined by his dad. When I got home, I got disciplined. And I wasn't able to skate for a while. How did you get disciplined? Uh, I mean, well, they call it child abuse now, but it's not. I mean, child. Even being, you can tell, like, it's hard for him to say it out loud, too. But I think he kind of tries to get other people to say it at the same yeah, for him. That shit makes you angry, like, oh, God. And, like, it like boils my my blood, dude. Like, oh fuck. He's getting beat up by kids at, sc at school or at the skate park. He's getting beat up by his dad, and he's just like getting very frustrated. I imagine. Whenever anyone's like not skating and they're saying they wish they could go skate or they want to go skate, yeah. like my brain is like, yes, mm -hmm. go skate. Like I, you, yeah. you genuinely hope that's like the goal mm -hmm. in this movie over and over again. That's the goal <laughs> yeah, for all skate. these people is to go skate. When they have to have a job and they have a kid that they're barely taking care of, yeah. they want to go skate. And you want him to get <laughs> yeah. a skate. Let's make it out of this shit. Kiari had a, a sticker, or like, I guess he wrote on it, his, this machine cures heartache. That's some teenage, Oh, yeah, that's that's, that's that deep, deep teenage cut right there. Teenage deep. <laughs> we see Zach shoveling snow. Talks about how his boss is an asshole. And yeah. uh, he's a week behind on his budget. Which I'm assuming means that he hasn't paid his... His rent in a week, probably. The economy in Rockford, Illinois, got hit very hard. 60% of the city work under $15 an hour. And yeah. with inflation being the way it is, that's basically you can't afford to live alone unless you're just living in yeah. a pretty bad area. A lot of people live under the poverty line. I like how he wove those facts in. Instead of flashing something on the screen, he just played uh, a snippet from a radio or TV broadcast. So it wasn't obtrusive at all, but the way he cut it in, it was seamless. Bing's really good at framing everything. Even yeah. like, it, he won't even like frame it all out immediately. It, it's like he's rounding out the frame throughout the movie. Yeah. Like he, he's building the frame while he's painting the picture. It's interesting. Yeah. And like putting a puzzle together, how you can kind of see it start taking shape. And he does that with the way, like he peppered in the economy facts without using anything on the screen. It kind of almost becomes this background thing. Yeah. Which is part of the film without hitting you in the face. Zach has the baby. Mm -hmm. Baby's there. Baby's adorable. <laughs> He's a cute baby. Little boy. But Zach is at home for like five days. He doesn't have work. He was supposed to work while Nina takes care of the baby. Mm -hmm. But Nina's got the job working, I guess, at a restaurant or a bar or something. Yeah, it seemed like she works at a bar, restaurant type place. So Nina comes home and then she's like, oh, I'm going back out. It's just weird sort of leading. He goes, how's work? Eh. 
how was after work drinks? Almost kind of like a that sort of passive aggressive sort of accusatory deal. And she says something like, I only had a uh, and sometimes. Oh, and he says, Those things are probably like seven dollars. Automatically, the semantics of the price of a drink because mm-hmm. they don't have fucking shit. No, they probably no. got like a parent who's kind of helping them with the light bill yeah, or something. Probably, it seems like that's what's going to need to happen. And they have a big argument. I was a stay at home mom, and you said, I work, you take care of Elliot, and I did, and now I'm working. <sighs> Right, and you show up somewhere between eight and nine. Just in, just in time to put him to bed. That's a lie too, that happened twice. Last night was the I only night you stayed home all fucking you, week. That's a fucking lie and you know it. Whatever, you're an idiot, just go away. Zach's, I mean, he's a skateboarder dude who demands a lot of attention yeah, from he crowds. Mm-hmm. He likes being the center of attention. He likes being like the party guy. Yeah. We all know someone like this. Yeah. And, uh, and he doesn't like not doing anything but she's going back out zach and nina pretty much are arguing almost every time we see them at this yeah. point have you and nina ever like just tried talking it out successfully nope what do you think about his carpentry skills those ramps were looking really solid yeah it seems like he does have that uh capability yeah. maybe he should have went to talk to kiari's dad well it's funny his dad was a carpenter too both their fathers oh. are carpenters I wonder if their dads knew each other. Yeah, I wonder that too. It really did seem like Zach knew his way around. I mean, mm-hmm. he did like handyman kind of labor jobs. Yeah, he, he's used to swinging a hammer, as they say. Now, Nina, she's uh, with her Aunt Vicky, who wears an Adam Lambert t-shirt. <laughs> way the kid, skater kids dress yeah. and like the people around Rockford. And then you get Nina's Aunt Vicky and the very <laughs> like... There's something about that Adam Lambert shirt that just yelled at me <laughs> through the screen, but also just so incredibly human. And meanwhile, during all this fighting, it's like, when am I ever going to get a shot of Zach without a beer in his hand? You're not. It's like, when is that going to happen? And why are you arguing with the beer? That never ends well, arguing with the beer in your hand with your lady. Kyrie recalls the last time he talked to his dad. His dad wanted him to work every weekend. Yeah. And Kyrie wanted to skate. He said he swung at his dad. Yeah, he took a swing at him, which admittedly is kind of, don't do that. I mean, if you get popped a lot, I don't know if you got, did you get corporal punishment when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, I got my fair share. I'd say the same. Yeah. I mean, some moments were better than others. Some moments seemed rough. Yeah. Um, But I feel like uh, people who were kids during the 80s, it's almost like this transitory period. Yeah, where some kids weren't getting the beatings, and some kids were getting, well, I, yeah. I feel like out where I grew up, every kid <laughs> got their ass whooped. Yeah. But there's something that Zach says. Did you see any violence in your household when you were growing up? I don't know, man. It's That's a tough question. It's hard. It depends on what you determine as violent. Like when I was a kid, if I was fucking up, I got my ass whooped. I feel like everyone does. I mean, some people got it worse than other people. I've said this word for word. I've said this exact same thing in referencing my past and how I got like, you know, my ass whooped and stuff. And I was raised by my grandma. And honestly, did my grandma occasionally try to spank me? Yeah. Yeah. She's an old lady. Did it hurt? No, no. It didn't really hurt. She did smack me once, but I told her to go fuck herself. I pretty much forgive her for that. (laughs) I was like 16. Yeah, I mean. But I also grew up with my uncle. It's a whole different animal. He's got problems, anger problems. Sure. And often he would be kind of gone doing whatever he was doing because when I was very young, he was in his 20s going into his 30s. So he was gone a lot. 
but sometimes he would see fit to be the man of the house. Mm -hmm. Sometimes being a man of the house would mean whooping my ass because I didn't do something right. Yeah. Plenty of those moments that looking back, I feel like I would never do that to anyone else that what was uh, done to me. Honestly, I think the worst parts were not the times I knew it was coming. It'd be like popping into the room, belt in hand. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting whacked with the belt. And yeah. wherever it's hitting, I'm being told after I get my ass belted why I got my ass belted. <laughs> yeah, that's how it kind of goes. And that happened a handful of times throughout growing up. Sometimes I'd have those formal ass whoopings where they'd yeah. explain it to me before I started. And it's not, and those aren't really, I wouldn't call that abusive because usually like I've gotten those too. And it's just kind of like, oh yeah, you stained my butt. And I'm kind of like, why are you doing this? Right. It doesn't even seem to hurt and your brain is in it. But I don't know. I was kind of like a, a kid that felt guilt. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I was very young, you kind of just had to tell me that, oh, you really shouldn't have done that. And I'd probably change my mind on it. I think the moment you bring some sort of object into it, that, and I feel like that's what these kids are getting and what a lot of people get, is that it becomes a different thing where the anger behind it and the force and, like, we have an object like like a belt, like you mentioned there. Yeah. And some people, like, you know, they have, like, go get a spoon or, like, a ruler or something. It's just yeah. I grew up in the South, so you kind of had a lot of old school people. And you did see that sometimes. That spanking where it actually looked like they didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But they did it because they thought that that's what they had to do. Mm -hmm. Those moments that weren't in anger. I mean, I shouldn't, I'm sure you can find an alternative. I think most people are like, we can figure this out. Mm -hmm. But back then, I would encounter that sometimes. But yeah, the moments where if you're an angry fucking person... Then mm-hmm. I think maybe you need to tell yourself, are you in a position to be disciplined? And then I mean, what does it do to the person that gets that just out of proportion discipline? I mean, the only feeling that it creates anger. That shit makes you angry, like Yeah. And so and like any yeah. various form of self loathing. Yeah. It's just like what are you trying to what are you really teaching these kids? It's like you already are in a tough situation. You're in a tough town, which I mean most a lot of Americans can relate to that. And then you have this other thing weighing on you. But Zach's, if I fucked up, I got my ass whooped. Some people got it worse than others. Yeah. I used to say that exact same shit. Yeah. Not as bad as so-and-so. And and that was kind of how I justified my shit. And I had more shit happen than just that bullshit. But it was something that did leave an impression on me for the wrong reasons. Well, it's a deflection. And it's a way that abusers oftentimes retain their powers. They transfer not only that anger into you, but like you mentioned, that self-loathing. And so if you're going to loathe yourself that much, then you're going to try and keep this quiet because you're so hurt and you think it means something about you. But all that does is protect the person that's abusing yeah. you. But it's not, but it literally wasn't much of a surprise where I grew up. Because like I said, I'm the sticks. Mm-hmm. It's just culturally a little lagging <laughs> in terms <laughs> well, yeah. of mo- modernity and what people are talking about. It took such a diplomatic turn. <laughs> I think it was different now. I think maybe things might change in an internet age. You know, oh, yeah, people sure. are more aware of what people like and don't like. And I think people mm-hmm. adjust to it. And yeah. kinda, Social norms. I mean, you. I've seen people fuck up a lot in the past and then change and understand, you know, I think that's possible. But back then in a time before there was no internet or even cable, yeah, everyone was just kind of beating the shit out of mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. And beating their children. <laughs> yeah. And calling it like uh, spanking. Just showing them what's right. We talked to Kent. It's Bing's half brother. Yeah. They're talking about their stepdad. What's this motherfucker's name? Dennis? Yeah. He, uh, 
stepdad. Yeah, yeah I didn't write his name because I didn't feel like it was worthy of being recorded. I kind of <laughs> felt the same way. I'm gonna yeah. say his name is say his name is Stuart. That is such a good name. Who's Stuart? Yeah, yeah. Um, for like this dude. Yeah. So uh, Bing's mom marries uh, what would become Bing's step dad Stuart yeah Stuart who's Stuart Kenton will talk about how his dad used to hide his stuff yeah and he'd always be pins and needles around his dad and he says uh one time his hair was long and his dad came at him and just cut his hair like called him like a a fucking idiot or something came and cut his which hair which is scary because his dad is clearly abusive and he like burst in the room with some scissors my first thought was god did he stab this kid I was like I thought that's where it was going yeah but he but apparently yeah, probably he would talk about how he'd hear his dad in Bing's room yeah. and would hear the beatings. Agonizing screams. And Kent would hear Bing get hit, and he described it as almost scarring. And so what I take that to me was it was scarring. Scarring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kara's mom has a new boyfriend. He doesn't like him. This is interesting. Did you yeah. remember this part? When he's on camera with Kiera's mom? Yeah. Yeah, and the dudes from the background like, you had your five minutes. Yeah. We were. Yeah. Five minutes is up. I'll be back in a minute. And she just looks down again, going back to that. Keep it's like a theme of mine right now, but the shame. She's almost like embarrassed, like oh god. I mean, scared. Yeah, scared and embarrassed. But yeah, a voice comes on and says, Five minutes is up." It was funny because he was like, "You're getting too personal," and it's like he was just asking if you have a boy, if if she has a boyfriend. Well, apparently, because apparently. Uh, this new boyfriend allotted Bertha, uh, Bertha Roberta, <laughs> five minutes. Yeah, five minutes to talk to your son's friend on camera. New boyfriend, I'm just going to talk to my son's friend who I've known all his life. Mm-hmm. Just going to talk to him. He likes to make these little movies. And uh, and then and maybe I want to talk about my life and my new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And then his response is, you have five minutes. And she had that look like she knew what was going to happen if she lingered too long. You know what I mean? Mm. Zach's baby has a little birthday party. Yeah. Nina talks about how she would spend a lot of time alone growing up mm-hmm. and that she craved love. That was something she knew about herself. Like yeah. she desperately just wanted attention and love. You know, you see these kids struggle with things, but it seems like they understand. It seems like they do understand what's going on. I mean, teenagers, while they do say a lot of dumb stuff, they're still at that age where they don't have a filter, which sometimes allows pretty i think teenagers have the time and the lack of a filter to make deeply profound statements that comes from having the time to be introspective like a teenager can be so they had a good sense of who they were zach says he always wanted his dad's approval he admits that yeah i would assume well if you got a dad around you certainly would want that dad's approval i think even if you don't have a dad around even if you hate your dad there's always gonna be a part of yourself that wants to prove yourself to that type of figure in your life yeah whatever that may be uh i mean my dad would pass away when i was very young and there were people who would consider themselves father figures coming in and out of my life right i can think of like one that was a nice guy yeah and then everyone else was just like could you go away was that an issue with your dad did you like maybe seek no your dad's military yeah Yeah, he's a military guy so my dad was he was there a lot. I mean, he was he was there, but then, of course, when you're in the military, it's like you move, you yeah. fought in two wars. He was deployed to Honduras doing all the crazy cocaine smuggling back in the day. There's this thing they do called going out in the field where they just go out in the woods for a week or two. Yeah, and they're just gone. They're just gone. So, yeah, I mean, my dad was gone, but it was weird because when you grow up in a military system, 
you understand that your dad's just not gonna be around and it almost becomes like nothing to you but it is it's like you have all these coping mechanisms that make you think like my mom always took me out anytime my dad was deployed it's like let's go to the movies let's go play mini golf i'm gonna let's go learn how to read these books because i was still learning how to read you know yeah so it's just uh you're still learning <laughs> you got i can't wait till i get to that i level. didn't mean to expose you <laughs> it's on, nothing dude. books it's on not, tape are just as good <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of <laughs> that's racist whoa <laughs> in black history month of all months that, that i tell you that's what uh because you ever hear white people be like, why can't I say the N-word? There's nothing you could call me that would make me upset. And I'm like, um, racist. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's the one yeah, word. Yeah, racist is the word. Yeah, racist sure. is the N-word for white people. Call a white people a racist. Let's start this trend, guys. Racist is the N-word for white people. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm sorry. I got off topic. And they don't know if they just stop being racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag racist is the white N-word. Hashtag racist is the white N-word. Let's get this string on Twitter, everybody. Come on. Hashtag Hashtag racist racist is the the white N-word. It's going to take over. Fucking blow up. But yeah, my dad was around. He was was there. And like Kira's dad, my dad was a pretty stern dude. But he's a fun guy, too. It's just, you know, military background. You got to be strict. I guess it helped that... If you're on a base, any other kid you see is going through the same scenario. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you go hang during the Gulf War. It's like, oh, your dad's gone. Yeah, my dad's gone too. My dad's gone too. It's just yeah. kind of how it was. Carrie's dad passed away. Despite the abuse he suffered from his dad, he had plenty of words of wisdom that he can remember from his dad. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that feeling. Like, to kind of really love someone and also resent them at the same time. That's a challenging-ass thing. It makes things very complicated. I think that's what makes abuse so difficult is because it's because you have these feelings of pain mixed with these feelings of love. And because you can't, it's hard to square that someone you love so much would hurt you in that way, which is what makes all the secrecy happen. It's almost like in my mind, you don't want to connect the person you love with the person that has hurt you. So you kind of compartmentalize that person and you make excuses for that person. Of course, I straight up just don't like my uncle. <laughs> And he's not even who I'm talking about, really. <laughs> yeah. He's just one layer of bullshit. That, mm-hmm. I, you know, looking back at my childhood, I'm like, I was so much stronger than I thought I would. It's yeah. amazing how resilient kids can actually be. Kids are more resilient than anybody. I mean, they're constantly growing. It's like, like healing left and right. I feel like my kid self could beat me up right now. Oh, dude, no way. I could murder my kids. <laughs> oh, I would crush kid me. I think my kid self would like start beating me with a PVC <laughs> pipe and like spitting on me. <laughs> I see pictures of you as a teenager. I'm like, yeah, teenage you would destroy you, Bobby. <laughs> teenage me was like, I think at 15, I was like 109 pounds. Oh, dude, I would just push teenage oh, yeah, me Yeah, you over. were just super skinny. Yeah, I was super skinny. I would knock teenage me out. I wish I could fight teenage me so bad. But who's faster, teenage you or now? See, why, why are you bringing up old shit, Bobby? Look. Why are you bringing up old shit? Why are you talking? You going to let your teenage self teenage me, you? Teenage me would... Dust me yeah, so you would, fast. Right? Teenage me would be like, God, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. You're just, you're fast. That's your yeah. trick. That's what I do. That's what teenage me does. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, me, like, I, I'm not fast. I got to, like, if I grab you, though, all this weight's going on you and we're going to the floor. Yeah, look, Bobby. Life's cover an R- you in kisses. <laughs> Life's an RPG, Bobby. We all got our class. Okay? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Zach says he's only seeing his son three times a week. Big changes yeah. happen very quick. We, we're not exactly sure the span of time 
I think the span of time is years. At least, I think the, the span of time is about three years. I just think that's the way, way it's going. And I think there's some randomness that kind of can maybe take you further back from those years. But for the most part, it does look like a three to four year span of time to me. We hear audio of Nina. I just want to reestablish yeah. the setting. Rockford, Illinois. Cheap yeah. trick. The dream police, they live inside of my head. The dream police, think what could be the dream police something, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, oh. oh no. I, I, I know none of, what is, what is this? Sorry. <laughs> I went down a cheap trick hole. Whenever you see someone in front of the camera, always remember Bing is there with them. Yeah, it's like they're talking to their buddy all the time. Bing is the one person that is always present. He's behind the camera, and you could tell he's not that comfortable in front of the camera. No, not at all. But he is very comfortable behind it. He's always there. And he's very much emotionally involved in all of these people's lives. But Zach is playing audio of Nina screaming. I will fucking stab you. I'll fucking stab you. Because mm-hmm. this is the first time we hear this. Yeah. And Zach's like, like you gotta hear this. It's like Zach's homeboy and him just like chilling out. And yeah. like everyone, and they're just chilling out. Maybe other people are there too because it does mm-hmm. seem like someone's always around Zach. That's how it is when you're like 20 and you're like the popular yeah. kid. It just sucks when you got a kid. Yeah. Folks, I mean, if you are if you got the finances and can just do it, do it. But here's a word of advice. Mm-hmm. Don't have kids before, uh, until you're 30. <laughs> oh, definitely don't have kids before you're 25. At bare minimum, just don't before you're 25. Don't get married. Before you're thirty, don't get married before thirty. That's Do not dumb. get married. That is dumb doing that. If you're if you're for real, uh, like a teenager, yeah. you're in your early twenties, yeah. heed this fucking advice. Twenty five year old you will thank you so much in the future for not getting married before twenty five. That's when that shit starts popping yeah. off. Then right now you're burning life. Yeah, you're just burning it up. You're burning life. And if you are young and happen to have a kid, I know it's hard. <laughs> yeah. But you're still burning life because you're still <laughs> yeah, young. Yeah. But no, and this kid's already got a kid. He's not even old enough to... He's too young to have a kid. Babies having babies. Yeah. Babies are having babies. Yes, they but it's Zach. Everyone wants to be around Zach. Yeah. He's the Joker, man. And he's never he's, around his kid anyway. I know he seems aggressive, <laughs> but he's just joking. Yeah, he's just a joke. And they're laughing at Nina, threatening to fucking stab Zach. Get off me! Stop it! You die! You die! You're doing this opportunity like you want me to fucking kill you! If you're asking for it! She sounds like she's abusive. And we go to Nina. Yeah. Then Bing's talking to Nina. If he showed you the one where I'm like, Zach, I'm going to fucking kill you right now. He beat my ass 10 minutes before Kyle took that video and he didn't decide to record that part. You know, I've got a scar going down my eyebrow. I've got, he broke his coffee tables with my body. (laughs) Like. Yeah, apparently he's been slapping her around like enough to leave scars on her face. She had a scar over her eyebrow that looked very fresh. Very fresh. And I mean, I've been like, pretty like bruised up like i'd have like a from him like hitting me and like i'd have like a huge bruise and like just all over and then 
you know, he'd, like, see them the next day, and he, like, wouldn't even say anything. Like, not even a sorry or anything like that. We just kind of ignore it like it didn't happen. And this child is about one, a little over one. Mm-hmm. I mean, these kids, he may not remember it. He'll remember it. You know, thinking about stuff that happened to me, but even though some of that shit was really shitty, mm-hmm. I feel like some of the worst shit I saw was stuff that happened to other people. Yeah. Like seeing your mom get hit or mm-hmm. you're someone you care about getting threatened or something like it that. It still has an effect on you, though. Because I feel like if when when things happen to you as an individual we have all these coping mechanisms to try and minimize the pain to get away from it and part of it like how people get ptsd and just completely black out but then it'll happen it'll come up again later and so i feel like if there's something happening to someone else you still want to get away but it's not as intense because you don't have that blend of emotional trauma and physical pain so if you're seeing something happen to someone else I almost feel like you're able to remember it more it seems like corporal punishment truly only just forces your kid to compartmentalize Correct. That's like, it. And that's really it. They call that disassociating, right? Yeah. Because now you have these people disassociating. <laughs> disassociating. I mean, if it only if it really worked, you'd only have to do it like once, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess if you could. But it's it's a it's a very temporary state. You can't permanently disassociate. Oh, dude. Um, Getting super. Yeah, I know. It's like, hey, we're not we're not this is deep stuff. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm touching a little bit on my life, but we could go. We could probably go hard. If we wanted to, truly. Did you get the single swap pop? That one seems kind of more common. I got the single swap pop, but then there was this... Like, my parents had, like, a, a ruler that was wrapped in, uh, wrapped in like, that thick army and glue tape. glue and then dipped in glass. Yeah, wrapped in glue, dipped in glass, and then you, like, kind of drizzle it with, like, almost just stuff. No, they just had, like, just the ruler that was wrapped in tape, and you might get that. And sometimes it's just, like, your gigantic parent just, like tearing into your ass and like yelling at you at the same time i don't know i just think what makes it what makes it difficult for me because i mean because you know there's that whole thing when they say the black community like oh we beat our kids and i think i would have to agree that i was in that in that camp to say that i got beat all the time no that's ridiculous when i acted up i got my ass beat and it only be a serious occasion but it was like it was serious and scary and i think i always end up feeling more terrified than anything and then once you're done with it you're left with this feeling of intense shame like you're this tiniest person in the world and then later on when you're done with that comes just the hot rage that's the only way i can describe it it's like you get your ass beat and you're a kid and you're helpless and you depend on this person for everything and then they turn on you like a monster and just start causing pain to you i i once i i can't remember how i think i was like a teenager and my grandmother got mad at me because I, I was saying basically how weird it was that if you're a parent, you could hit your kid mm-hmm. within a certain level if you wanted to and probably get away with it. But if you swung on someone your own size yeah, who could hit you back, you could go to jail. I guess she thought I was implying something. And man, I'm sure I was <laughs> in a certain way. But mm-hmm. she, got a, she got pissed at me about it. Yeah, And I wasn't a kid that we already went through this. Other kids had it worse than I did. Yeah. And that's true. There mm-hmm. were. I was a good kid. Like, I did what I was supposed to most of the time. Yeah. The thing I was most guilty of was maybe watching too much TV. Yeah. And, like, my uncle was a shitty kid when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he got in trouble and got his ass beat all the time. He probably got blamed for shit he never even did when he was growing up. Because yeah. he was just so bad half the time that they blamed him for it 100% of the time. When I came along 
and because of my grandmother's kids had gone through so much shit, I think she was consciously like, maybe go a little easy on this one mm-hmm. compared to some of the other ones. And I think he, there was a weird envy and yeah. he would like have arguments about like wanting to beat my ass for yeah. whatever fucking reason. And my grandmother having to talk him down. So I think if it wasn't for my grandmother, I would have gotten a lot more. If she just wasn't there and it was just him, I would have gotten it a lot more. 40% of the time where she didn't, wasn't able to talk him down or sometimes just look the other way on certain occasions. Often she'd tell him to stop pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But that to me makes you wonder. It's like, how is it a reasonable punishment when there's someone else in the household that's almost pleading with, the person that's doing this to you like pleading like please stop now it's like it's gone too far that's that's not coming from a good place and the only thing you're going to do you're not teaching anyone anything with that all you're teaching them how to do is exert power exert control and how to instill fear in someone that you love what do you stand to gain from planting that much fear into someone you love's psyche like that there's nothing to gain from that it just develops something that maybe isn't healthy Mm-hmm. And I know it developed something in me that isn't healthy. I'm very thankful I didn't cycle my shit into being an adult striking women or anything like that, even though I witnessed yeah. that kind of shit in my life. I'm glad to say that I didn't go that way, but I know at a at a volatile age, you know, early college and teenage years, like I could be kind of like verbally shitty or just not be a very nice person. Sure. We all, everyone's been there. And I know a lot of that is com- was probably compartmentalizing a lot of shit that I was dealing with because I was growing up. The funny thing is at the time, I didn't think I was doing anything. Mm -hmm. I felt fine, but truly I was kind of shitty. And I actually, it's kind of weird. I feel bad for, I think back on like, oh man, I feel so bad that I said that to this person when I was Mm -hmm. like 17, or I feel so bad that I did that to this person when I was like 20. I'm probably forgetting the shitty thing I said to someone like just the other day <laughs> yeah. that made them cry when they went home. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm a very jovial, easygoing mm-hmm. guy, but I can turn on the venom yeah, sure. if I want to. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a lot of that stems from what I, what I ended up coming up around because I was a good kid, but I had a fucking mouth on me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet you did, Bobby. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I rebelled with words. Mm-hmm. But when uh, Nina is talking about how Zach beats her up, I noticed that talks about how wasted he gets and how he gets out of control and her lips are chapped. Like, I can't stop looking at her lips. They're like... What's so bad about her chapped lips? They just look chapped. And it mm-hmm. was just something I just focused in on weirdly. You just... Yeah. The camera's pretty close up to her face when she's yeah. talking about this. And it's just like as if she's not verbalizing all this vulnerability. Yeah. Then like you see her like little chapped lips or were they marked from being knocked around yeah it's hard to tell i think he was trying to get a little bit of that and the fact that her lip was kind of like i don't want to say quiver just that little bit of waver when you're talking about something that makes you emotional when nina's talking about this but you can tell that she's already starting to compartmentalize it herself yeah even as it's coming out of her mouth like she's having her own other kids had it worse kind of like thing you Mm -hmm. can tell she's developing that because she doesn't just leave Zach after this, unfortunately. No, she doesn't. You get this weird trickle-down cycle of violence where you have the father committing to the son, and then the son exerts it on the on the girlfriend, and now her role now in that cycle is to... Which is reflected with both Bing's mother, who was married twice to both times abusive men. That's right. And we see Bing right before we meet his mother. 
It's the first time we see him. I think we see him in a movie at the close of the beginning for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we see him officially driving his car. Yeah. And then, yes, we meet his mom, mm-hmm. who talks about their stepfather. Let's just talk about the stepfather, first of all, because dude saw them in a store and then found out <laughs> where they lived. And then she's just like, and well, and then he became my husband. Yeah. It's like, how is that okay? So basically, he stalked this woman. She worked at a pizza restaurant. Yeah. Bing's mother. Yeah. Sorry, pizza restaurant. And follows this lady home. That's the only way I can think. Or ask someone where she lived. That's not okay. Yeah. I guess he was a regular, and then he started yeah. following her. Or he, I mean, he could have just asked someone, hey, where she lived. But I can't imagine someone just giving up someone's home address. So, ladies, what do you do when the gentleman uh uh, stalks you to find out your home address. Clearly, he's into you. He likes you. <laughs> he likes you, girl. And they get married. They sure do. God damn. I, I know when I was young, so when I see my parents fight that much, I was saying, I don't want to marry ever that bad. But I just, I'm not that way. I want to have kids. I want to marry. I want to have, I don't want to be alone. Uh, Bing's mom is on camera. Brutal scenes. Man. Yeah, she Bing's mom really she bears her herself pretty much because it's her baby boy, so she's gonna be very vulnerable with him. Bing uh, says tells his mom the first time that he was alone with Stewart. That's when he grabbed him and beat him. Yeah, at first I thought he meant like sexually assaulted, but then I was like, oh, he just meant beat him, like grab him, start wailing on him. There's not like a lot of explicit descriptions of the abuse. No, but there's enough talk about it to where it. It is a little overwhelming sometimes. That balance is very tentative, yeah. very tense. Bing's mom said that we would fight a lot because of you. I could imagine it maybe was not too different of a scenario when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I talked about how my uncle and my grandmother would argue yeah. over whether or not he would get to beat my ass. Yeah, and sometimes the arguments get tense. And they would call the police, and the police would come. No charges would be filed. Because mom didn't want to be alone. Now, for a city of 200,000, Rockford, around 200,000, per capita got a pretty high crime rate. Yeah, it does. And that's because there's a lot of poverty. So much of the town is very depressed. And when people ain't got jobs, they can't take care of their families. And that stress leads to domestic violence. There's a lot of despair and hopelessness there. And I feel like Zach embodies that a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he definitely failed his GED test. And so I think he's already on that path of nothing even matters. And so if nothing matters, then why not be a complete piece of shit? Zach makes a lot of excuses in these micro moments, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, he's, he's mm-hmm. got a kid who was probably a king in, yeah. when he was a teenager. Yeah. And now he's getting, like, dumped on. Real hard. Hard. We always imagine that sort of TV version of the... 40, 50-year-old wife beater who's just like slumped on the couch with a beer ready to fly off the handle. Mm -hmm. And this kid's in his 20s and he already has that look. You know what I mean? Every time I see him, he's got a beer, slumped on the couch, just looking like the world's already starting to beat him down. The 40, 50-year-old version is a lonely bastard who is, uh, if still alive, too destroyed to really have a normal life. Yeah. And whose kids don't even like them. Don't even talk to them or anything like that, probably. And extremely lonely. And they've been lonely their whole fucking life. Nina and Zach, they're in the car. You can tell this is the first time they've been together in a while. They got a baby together, so they can't totally avoid each other's lives. Uh, Zach tries a compliment. How's work? 
I like your hair. It's all swirly. Now, there's an elephant in the room now, because yeah. Bing heard that video of Nina. He thought Nina was just losing her mind. He didn't yeah. catch the context of it. And Nina's like, no, look at my scar. Yeah. He whooped my ass. Yeah, don't tell him. It'll just make it worse. Yeah, and she, he's, he That's asks how to thing. approach it because yeah. Bing wants to approach it. He's facing his own mother with their abusive history. Bing knows he has to find a way to broach that with Zach. That's a common thread between these three boys. And Nina's like, don't. <laughs> That's a bad, uh, no. Don't. Things are going good right now. I don't know. Especially, like, with me and him, like, kind of being okay right now and like hanging out like all that would go down the drain okay they always do go well for a while don't they i can honestly say my adulthood has gotten so peaceful but there's so many moments i see in this movie that remind me of things that i've seen and these things that you see in this movie that's the crazy thing i think anyone can watch this movie and there's a little bit of something in this movie that people can just pull from that is almost a little too real. Yeah, everyone knows that. I remember the first time I ran across a couple where I knew for a fact, even without having physical evidence, that, wow, this guy's beating this lady. It was weird to see it unfold with Zach and Nina. And now to have this elephant in the room where it's like, oh, now they're all kind of tiptoeing around it. Gary's stoked about Friday and he's pumped to skate because... He thought it was Thursday and when he found out it was Friday and he had to go to work, that was pure joy. <laughs> God. That was pure joy. I loved it for him. I felt so happy for him. But he's got a car. Yeah. He's had it for about two months at that point. He's got a job. Got himself a little job. Seems like there's some momentum going on. Yeah, Kiari, he's, he's a smart kid. He's got his, he knows what he's doing. Kiari's hanging out with another dude. I guess that's his brother on the street. I couldn't tell. Like, cause I, only, I only saw the brother briefly, and I don't feel like it's... I don't know. No, I don't think it was. No, I was about to say, it didn't seem like him. There was a lady in a rascal and goes, y'all looking guilty. <laughs> no, we're not guilty. We didn't do it. He's like, that's what they all say. <laughs> that's neighborhood shit. Yeah, that's some, that's some neighborhood shit. I love that his homeboy also had a quack hat on. You see that? Good high gravity Belgian beer. Mm, beer that, candy. Carrie is, he's popping in and out of Zach's, they're popping in and out of each other's yeah. lives. Obvious distance is starting, especially with Zach. He's got a kid. Yeah. And he has to work, and he's an alcoholic, so there's issues there. Carrie is at a, a at a barbecue. He seems very chill at first, yeah, and then he starts looking kind of. I don't know if maybe it's the way it was edited, but he starts to look very kind of morose. He looks like he feels suddenly outside of it. Well, there was the scene. I don't know if he heard it, but they were watching all, that video. Yeah, and it's like all these white kids watching this video of some step and fetch it dude on because most of let's face it, a lot of instagram's uh, portrayal of black life is some step and fetch it shit what what is step and fetch what is that it's like a old i can't remember the name of the thing it's almost like a menstrual tradition if you will so they'll have like a black face character and so step and fetch it would be more of this sort of like uh the common thing is he's like this docile black man he don't mean no harm and he's just he's gonna do this whole like scratch his head routine where he's like oh i don't know he's like scratching his head and he's always looking up smiling to the white person and he's very subservient to the white person huh. and so oftentimes nowadays even though like what quote unquote ignorant shit on instagram that's like black related a lot of people still call it step and fetch it because it's basically a way of degrading the idea of black culture and black identity because it's basically how could you love yourself if that's how you see yourself as this less than unintelligent person yeah, and it's definitely like a bunch of white kids sitting around yeah. laughing. <laughs> and Kieran looks up and he's just thinking, oh, 
he, he's not having a like a, a a huge reaction he just looks like he's just suddenly quiet i think that's the, the point in the movie where i started relating to kia real hardcore because um already had the whole dad situation and the black kid hanging out with a bunch of white dudes so i get that and i think it was i like the way they framed it because i feel like that's what many black people do in society in general where someone does something stupid and white people think black people just losing their minds but there's so many moments in life where black people just hear some racist stuff and we just silently accept it and get on with our lives because if we truly got outraged at everything we'd have to be pissed off all day long every day yeah I feel like that's what Kiara was going through. Kerry quotes his dad as saying, you have a lot of white friends, but don't forget you're black. Yeah, because it's easy to think, like, especially if you have a lot of white friends, it's not easy to think that racism doesn't exist for you, but it's it's kind of like when you have a domesticated wild animal. You know what I mean? You can't release them into the wild anymore because they've been around. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> not, that's, not, that's not the path I meant to go down. That's not. But you know what I mean? I think that's what his dad was trying to say. Not me personally. He thinks, oh, if you hang out with these white people, you won't know how to be afraid of them. Right. God, that was, I'm not. That, I don't think. I don't think that at all. <laughs> Trying to say what his dad said. Kara's waiting tables. He enjoys it over the dishes. And he's talking about how he's helping his mom pay bills. And he, you can tell he takes a lot of pride in that. Which he shouldn't, honestly. He needs to take care of himself. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Yeah. Mama, get some social security, all right? Yeah, stop. Because basically he's letting his mom use him as a crutch now. All these men in her life have been crutches. Now he's going to be that crutch. Yeah. Gary talks about how he rolls with skaters a little younger than he is, like maybe a year or two. Mm -hmm. And and he's not running with Zach as much. He almost looks at Zach in hindsight. He's like, God, I think this kid was a god. I'm not quoting here. But he used to think the kid was a god. But now he looks at him almost with pity. Yeah. Well, Zach, that's exactly what Zach used to be. He was like the local god. Yeah, I think he even said earlier, it's like, oh, I want to be like that guy. Yeah, everyone wanted to be like Zach. Mm -hmm. And Zach is fucking beating his girlfriend. He's like the more depressing real-life version of uh, Napoleon Dynamite's brother. That's an interesting (laughs) comparison. Yeah, I know. I don't know how I got there. You know, I'm glad uh, I hadn't heard a Napoleon Dynamite reference in a while. Aren't you glad I didn't say, oh, God, Tina? I'm glad that movie's never, faded from national. Never forget. Tina. I, I refuse to talk anymore about this movie. <laughs> New friends seem a little bit more. I guess they maybe have a little bit more stability. They have they have goals. They have yeah. ambition. They want to do something with their lives. Like you can hear them talking about college and stuff. Kara's dad is always on his mind. That is uh, was mm-hmm. defining his drive. And what maybe made him very frustrated. Now he's starting to is becoming a memory that's almost Giving him some measure of a drive. Well, his dad was abusive. Like I said before, people are complicated. His dad was abusive, but I think his dad probably had his shit together a little bit and was trying to tell this young boy something. Even a broken clock's right twice a day, right? (laughs) I'm sure his dad had some good advice from time to time. Yeah, exactly. Zach talks about that one indoor skate park that he did. uh, It came and went, Mm -hmm. and he tried to do another one, and so he hooked up with a partner that straight up like took his money and he couldn't have had that much yeah. money he probably saved like crazy mm-hmm. to put it into a new indoor skate park and he got straight up took well he says that the partner didn't pay the bills and ran off yeah. part of me i was just i thought was this the partner 
You know what I mean? I was thinking, yeah, it's so convenient that this thing went belly up because your partner is so, uh, magically not here, the partner we've never seen in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, true that. It seemed like Bing would know him, too. Yeah, yeah. Because people who are, like, featured in this, you kind of see all their friends. Yeah, you see everyone. If not for a second, you yeah. know. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. He could have totally just been full of shit. The kid makes excuses for everything. Yeah, nothing's his fault. He does say things where he acknowledges that shit's kind of, like, fucked. Yeah. And that maybe he's fucked. And that maybe he's not right. But then he just kind of reverts right back into like, but what the fuck ever? Yeah. She's a fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah. He took my money. Zach owes $250 for rent. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's it? <laughs> I know. Man, it takes me back to the good old days. You get that 350 house up in Clarksville. <laughs> I don't think this footage goes that far back. Well, this town sounds pretty crappy. I mean, you go to that Rust Belt part of the country, man, you can get land for cheap. But come on. Rick Nielsen lives there. <laughs> Well, he's the one driving up the damn property value like a dickhead. It's true. He just gentrified a whole neighborhood. He's the reason why there's those tall, skinny, like, uh, artisan huts popping up around him. I, actually, I just don't have enough disdain for, like, gentrification and, like, hipster shit anymore. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Do you thing. just cave in, right? Yeah, I just cave in. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm better at yelling about that shit. Can't, can't beat him, join him? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused about the avocado toast thing because I was like... Mm-hmm. What, you just put avocados on fucking toast. It's no thing. And Angela explained it to me. And it's like, it's not the act of putting that on bread. Mm-hmm. It's the act of people going somewhere and paying $6 for it. Unless it's like some amazing avocado toast. I can't. It's toast. Avocados are like 80 cents. <laughs> but at first I, I was confused. I thought people were saying it was like too fancy. And I was no. like, it's not fancy. You just put. But no, it's about what people are paying for it. It's like when you go to East Nashville and get avocado toast. People hate that shit. If I have, I haven't noticed any place that has avocado toast on the menu. But I know you eat at places like that. Just to prove how much I've given in, I went to a a wellness place downtown that's like vegan and all organic and shit. And I got some avocado toast with some toasted nuts and microgreens on it. Are you kidding me? I wish I was joking. I told you I gave in. You yuppie fuck. Told you I gave in, Bobby. How much was it? The avocado toast. I don't want to talk about that right now. Six 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 ninety five. Yes, it was six ninety five. Wow, I can guess. I'm pretty good at guessing. It was eleven dollars, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) No, Bobby. There was okay. It wasn't just the avocado toast. No, it was thick bread avocado toast. It was like really nicely done avocado with some nice. It had okay. It had the uh, microgreens. It had the toasted nuts. And then it also had little slivers of pickled, uh, it was like pickled radish or something. And so the pickled radish, it really played off the saltiness because it put the salt and spice all on the avocado, you see. And so the, the pickled radish played with the salt. Mm, it was so good. I think I know how to cure you. Yeah. I'm going to go to Arby's. I'm so hungry I could eat at Arby's. <laughs> I hate Arby's. <laughs> you need to learn to love it. Fuck Arby's. And then we're going to go to Wendy's. Okay, I can Actually, yeah. Yeah, I can go for Wendy's. Wendy's. Get that four for four, man. Why are they sponsoring this pod? Hi, I'm Wendy's founder, Dave Thomas. Thank you. (laughs) That's funny because you do eat that yuppie bullshit. Yeah. But you also eat (laughs) the... <laughs> Bobby, I'm a social chameleon. I'm you, a culture vulture. You're all over the place. You're accepted <laughs> in many circles. I am. I am, which makes this so difficult. Well, yeah. Are you breaking up with me? Oh, I'm, are no. you breaking up with me? No, I just need a break. 
<laughs> oh, God. <laughs> See, this always makes me laugh when people cry. <laughs> but really, you just kind of want to cry. We're deflecting again. It should, yeah, we are deflecting. We were deflecting like so hard. We were getting deep in some meaty shit, and we both were like, nah, let's pull back. But people bit. should just cry if they want to cry. It's okay. Yeah, I cried just, watching this movie. Just don't do If I don't know you very well, though, just don't do it in front of me like you can do it in front of me as long as it's one of those sort of stoic tears are pouring, but you're not sobbing cries. I'm like, oh, man, so he's really feeling emotional. But you start doing the... <laughs> I, wanna, I can't deal with that. I want to have like a dead stare, but mm-hmm. tears are just pouring down my face. I call that that thug tear. That's thug tear. That thug tear. That's what I want. Yeah, like Denzel Washington and Gloria when he was getting whipped. Oh, shit. Yeah. Zach goes 250... <laughs> Zach goes... <laughs> There's pet shit all over Zach's floor. I think his... Uh, his lights are out. His lights are out. He's behind. He's going to get evicted. Yeah. Uh, this other, the, All the skater kids feel sorry for Zach. Mm-hmm. He went from hero to the pity party of the town. Everybody hates on this kid. Nobody wants to emulate him. Word has gotten out, I'm sure, that he is... That he has, Even though he's beating his girl, you automatically lose respect from your boys when they find out you're beating your girl. Then we go to Zim- Denver, the great city of Denver. It's a fantastic city. Oh, yeah. Denver's great. We yeah. should all go. Yeah, we should go. Yeah, we should all go to Colorado. Yeah. There's, I'm not sure why. I forget why. Why everyone should go to Colorado. Oh, because the great, uh, no, the Rocky Mountains. That's right. They're beautiful. There. Real high up. Real high. Zach is in Denver working at a sub shop. He talked to some girl, went out there, came to meet her. She paid for him to go out there. Where the fuck is this? She just does this? So here's my thing, Denver. Look at Zillow on Denver. This girl's rich. <laughs> oh, you did you checked her shit out? Oh no no no. I'm just saying. I just start, I just looked up Zillow. Like how how expensive is it to live out there? It's expensive. So she probably got some money. Oh sure, Denver. I'm sure is an expensive town. Hell, yeah. this town is expensive. Yeah, now as expensive as Denver. I'd live in like Aurora or someplace close by. I live in Boulder, which is technically. I mean, it's yeah, it's fine. Denver. Yeah, honestly, any place where the Rockies are is that's where I want to be. That's fine. I love hiking. Oh, yeah. Getting high up in those mountains. Feeling the air. You know, I don't like John Denver, but when you go to Denver, you can't help but be like, Rocky Mountain High. (laughs) You know, I used to say I didn't like John Denver, and then I listened to John Denver, and I was like, he's fine. I kind of like this. It's fine. He's a little corny. He's got good songs. He's a little corny. Look, I think you can skip Rocky Mountain High. No, you can't. Not if you're in Denver. No, you can't skip that if you're in Denver. No. But Country Road... I kind of love that song. Yeah. Take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Take me home, Country Road. John Denver, y'all. So, Homeboy's getting litty up in Denver. That's right. He's in the sub shop being filmed. Yeah. I like how Bing's like, I just want to yeah, videotape you while you're yeah. at work. And he says that he's he ended up staying with this girl, said he's drinking a lot less. And then he says, There's liquor in this cup. There's liquor in this cup. There's liquor in this cup. Yeah, I was like, shut up, Zach. He's like, oh, I'm cleaning up. And he's like, liquor <laughs> Hello, listeners. Interrupting Bob Sham here just to tell you... You thought I was going to put in an air horn sound effect, didn't you? Well, I didn't. Don't pigeonhole me ever again. Back to the show. Nina is feeling abandoned. She doesn't know where Zach is. Yeah, he's just going to be gone for two days. He's been like out there forever now. It cuts back and forth between Nina getting pissed. 
mm-hmm. going to the lawyers to go get some child support to Zach in Denver, rolling up a hog's leg. Oh, yeah. Lighting up a doob. Hanging out with his new lady friend. He, there's a point where he's like, Oh, I'm drunk as fuck. This is a perfect night. This is a perfect night. <laughs> yeah. Kyari says of Zach, he's my homie, but I don't know the real him. Kyari... He has the nephews. He starts to get mm-hmm. kind of very family focused. Yeah, he does. And he, you see him with some kids. It seems like he's really starting to enjoy the company. As much as he probably misses his dad, I know this feeling too. When he's gone, somehow some kind of measure of peace takes over. Yeah. And people can kind of, even though they're family and know and have known each other all their lives, kind of get to know each other in a weird way. He has some peace in his life. I think we see Carrie grow up quite a bit in this movie. It's such a short span of time. But... Zach returns. And what's he got with him? Case of brewskis. Listen, bruise. He talks about how a lot of folks in Denver seem privileged. Well, because it's a rich place compared to where he's Yeah, from. and also you're fucking busted broke all the time. Yeah. But give this, this girl he's with fucking moved to, from Denver. Yeah. To Rockford, Illinois. The police, police, police. She no must idea. really like this boy. And does she know that he beat up his baby's mama? Yeah, does she? I don't think she does. There's no way he told her. <laughs> no, you're not going to lead off with, yeah, so I'm probably going to beat you. She might have found out for the first time watching this movie yeah. for all we know. Oh my God. How far back does this footage go? It seems modern. Well, I feel like it's modern, but I mean, there are definitely some moments from Kier that was like, he was 10, so it's at least eight years back, I feel like. And yeah. there's some f- footage of Bing where he's clearly like a little kid. Yeah. Bing asks Zach, are you worried Elliot, that's his kid, will be fucked up? I'm 50-50 about it. Lately, I have been concerned over my influence on him. And as he gets older, how he's going to look at the difference between the way his family lives and the way I live. I feel like that's when you see Zach start to deflect a little bit because he clearly is. But then he goes off in this tirade about, oh, what, like there's... You want me to be like this person that's going to have like a boat? A lot of people grow up and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking up. I'm going to play football and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get this nice office job and start a family and have 2.5 kids and a car and a garage and everything's just going to be nice. And I'll buy a boat and a snowmobile. Like, fuck you, you piece of shit. Like, just because you're too fucking weak to make your own decisions and decide what you want to do with your own life. Railing against people that have their shit together. Yeah, he shits on the American dream, basically, that structure of it. Because he feels like he never has a chance to get it. I've never, yeah, and that's kind of why he's railing on it. Yeah. I've never, that almost seems like a typical 90s thing. I feel like 90s yeah. teenagers do that <laughs> yeah. a lot. But you think about it, like, having a family and having, yeah. like, a yard in, a, in your own home, like, why would that be a bad thing, you know? Especially in modern time, everyone's yeah. money is their house. When you come to this point in your life like Zach has where you feel like you're a fuck up and you're going nowhere, then why would you think it was great to have the American dream when you don't have any chance of attaining it? Yeah, and Zach does not have much of a chance. No, I mean, be- he's doing a good job to hurt himself in the process. but I mean, there's just a point where something's going to have to break for Zach for yeah. him to take that next step. It's just, I mean, that's the way addiction works. I mean, it is. good advice is cheap as shit. Like, what do you tell an alcoholic? <laughs> yeah. Hey, stop drinking. <laughs> yeah, stop drinking. Oh, dude. yeah, I'm sure they haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah. But, like, shit gets fucked and you yeah. kind of need something to, you need something to bend. How about keep drinking and uh, get some intensive therapy, my friend? <laughs> I, I, man, I hope he does. Yeah. I hope. 
Zach comes out on the other side of it somehow. I think that's the moment in the movie where I lost, started losing it just because he talks about the feeling like you're a piece of shit and you have this mask up and it goes back to Kier saying, oh, I don't know the real hymns because he doesn't know the real Zach. Because the real Zach is probably far more vulnerable. All his bravado is probably just a way of putting up a front and he's so terrible to people to put up that shield so he doesn't have the chance of getting hurt. Kiari's brother stole his hidden cash. Yeah, that was angry. Yeah, I felt so bad for him. Yeah. and so pissed at his brother. And he said, if I, if I would have told my dad what my brother did to me, my dad would be like on his ass right now. Like he'd be, oh my God. Kiari stole once from a grocery store and he got beat, but his dad felt sorry. Yeah. And said, that's how I was raised. Being asked. So what do you think you've gotten out of this documentary? Kiari replies. It's almost like fucking free therapy but being correlates to Kiari how he connects with Kiari based on his life and what he's been through I'm making this film because I was physically disciplined by my stepfather you know it didn't make sense to me and I saw myself in your own story and Kiari's like wow that's wow big <laughs> I had no idea dude that's really cool though like for some reason it doesn't it didn't occur to him that he would connect with bing i wonder how much he really knew of bing's life they seem fairly close i think something like that knowing at that age especially you don't imagine that someone has a life like yours also that when you're that young even if your intentions are good Mm -hmm. you're always like a little selfish you're always a little pulled into your world and and it seemed like that was something kiari really needed to hear in that moment made him go huh I think it also just speaks to the, for one, the level of secrecy that surrounds abuse. He's kind of shocked that someone can relate to something that was so difficult like that to him. Bing asks, Kiari, can you picture Zach hitting a woman? Oh, God, that was a complicated answer he gave to you. It was a very complicated. Essentially, it was a, a no, what I interpreted it. But it, it was almost, a no unless. With, with like an open window. It was like a no with an open window. Yeah, it was no with caveats in there. Yeah. He's like, not unless he got really drunk and she was coming at him. He's like, oh, guess what? He's drunk all the time. Mina is pretty pissed a lot because he's getting beat. Zach is eventually asked by Bing about that night with Nina talking about specifically when he heard Nina threaten him. And Zach is, uh, he downplays the violence. Mm -hmm. He's blaming Nina right off like she's crazy. She's crazy. That was a pretty, like every other day occurrence. She just fucking loses her damn shit. She won't shut the fuck up. Then he keeps talking. You know, my deal with the women, kind of the way I've dealt with it is, you know, they get all fucking heated and mad about shit or they're complaining about this. And they yeah. keep talking. If a fucking woman is acting a fucking fool, they've been acting a fool, you've asked them to stop, you've tried to get away from the situation, you have done everything that you can do to avoid the situation peacefully. And then he says something that you would almost expect someone in, like, 1943 to say this you can't beat up women but bitches need to get slapped sometimes does that make sense no i I, actually i don't know zach does that make sense i don't know about that bro we see shots of bing's mom it's going back and forth uh between zach and the final dissolving of the nina zach relationship going to bing's mom as she's like dealing with the fact that she might have brought something into her life that Mm -hmm baby did some permanent harm to her family and um but bing's mom she doesn't know what to do but she acknowledges that not thinking about it doesn't work zach starts getting really real and he's like 
sometimes I think I shouldn't be around my kid, but it's my kid. Like he knows that there's something wrong with him. It's acknowledging that he knows right from wrong. And then he says, I feel like the clown, almost, you know, you paint up your face and you put on your act for everybody. And you let that act become you. He's full of little gems, isn't he? But it is almost like he wants to be like in a quote book or something. <laughs> yeah. This kid. He's probably not a dumb kid. He's just never allowed himself to have any measure of a formal education. Yeah, exactly. Carrie visits his father's grave. It's the first time he's been there since his dad died. And it's going back and forth. Like it's like a montage. All these lives are just fluctuate together and together you see mm-hmm. zach uh, talking about how he can't stand the thought of being a fuck up bing's mom wishes she could do shit over again yeah. uh zach is acknowledging that every choice that he has has led to this failure bing says to his mom and we see Bing on camera he yeah. does not look comfortable on camera yeah, he's just dead still it <laughs> actually is very charming you can mm-hmm. tell that he would want just the nature of this movie he can't help but be on camera he understands that yeah i'm sure it took him a while to like gear <laughs> yeah. up to that you can just tell like mm-hmm. what he's having to let loose on here yeah but i imagine he at some point was like if i'm gonna put my mom on this to talk to her about this i gotta put myself in it too and bing says maybe i'm maybe you're right maybe i'm need to just move on and not dwell on the past i wish you could Kiari is walking away from his father's grave. He's crying like crazy. He's like, let's go. And then we see the thing. The only thing that signifies freedom in Rockford, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Other than um, some, like, a best of cheap trick collection. (laughs) You can rock to all day long. He says, let's go. He starts skating. We see Kiari. He's moving out. Mm -hmm. He's He's going to Denver. In the room, his yeah. little car. Going to go see himself. the uh, uh, the old uh, the old Rocky the mountains. old Rocky Mountains. Hit uh, up some hot springs. Yeah, the uh, yeah. the old uh, hot springs. Yeah, you know, springs. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Getting up, uh, looking at the uh, the big sky. As yeah, they big sky. You know, uh, get up high enough in those those mountains, you can kind of see the clouds. I can go pack up real good yeah. in the uh, the old uh, yeah. ski lift. Gonna, uh, yeah, gonna go straight up to the tippy top of the mountain. Tippy top, 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 tippy top. To the pippy pop at the tippy top. Uh, Zach's dog, who he wasn't taking care of, went to go <laughs> yeah. live with uh, his yeah. like his family. Dog seems to be doing okay. Yeah. Apparently, Bing's mom remarried yeah. again. She doesn't want to be alone. Maybe this guy's nice. He's he's not. I guarantee you, he's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the cycle. Uh, but that's the film, uh, Minding the Gap, by uh, Bing Lu. Hey, I didn't cry once. I know. <laughs> Did you come close? Uh, a couple times, but then we deflected a little bit, and that yeah. made it better. The <laughs> uh, deflection when you need it the most. And this movie, I should point out, was edited by Bing and someone by the name of Josh Altman. And I wanted to point out the editor names because fucking great, Good dude. job. I mean, Bing's got a long IMDb, always like cinematographer, like camera assistant, camera guy. So he knows his shit. Now, this episode is long because we really wanted to get into it. We really want to discuss it. We don't rate movies on a star rating scale. Fuck that. Yeah. That's for rollerbladers. We yeah. we hang with the skateboarders who... Like unless the, they're like rollerbladers are playing like street yeah. hockey. Or unless we're watching a movie about rollerbladers. Yeah. Then we'll apply it to where like they're cool. 
Yeah, they're. But we're talking about skateboarders here. Yeah, and this is real deal shit. Rollerbladers beat their kids. If you're mm-hmm. out there rollerblading, yeah, you look like a child beater. Yeah, probably beating your kids. Deflecting. Um, <laughs> we rate in the Herzog rating yeah, scale. Yeah, I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. You're going to give this one through mm-hmm. five Herzogs. Mm-hmm. And we're going to combine them for best out of ten Herzogs. All right, Eldridge, I'll go first. Cool. We're making up in February for some good docs that we missed in 2018. Yeah. And oh boy, I'm glad I watched this movie. Mm. It was a very sad movie. I'll admit, I didn't cry. I didn't mm-hmm. cry. I felt like I came very close. Mm-hmm. But but I, I made it through. But it was very sad. I was kind of groaning at parts. Not in yeah. like, a, oh my God, this movie's terrible. But because I may have was compartmentalizing in my brain as I was yeah. watching this movie. And it's incredibly personal film. And I told myself I would rate these movies this month very hard. Because I want to... Mm-hmm. I want to grade harder in 2019. Yeah. And I can honestly say, even with my grading, whether it's 2019 or 2018, yeah. if y'all haven't seen this movie, watch this fucking movie. It's a must watch. Yourself or someone you care about or know or some aspect of your mm-hmm. life or of somebody you know is is in this movie. There's something in this movie that I think people can really relate to, but also that desire to escape everyone can relate to. And the way it was framed and the way it was set up Bing Lu made a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. And I think there's a lot of good documentaries that can that have hit these tones and are they probably did a pretty good job in their own right. But this is just a story that only Bing Lu could have told. It just so happened that the person who is capable of telling this story is a fucking amazing cinematographer Very and good. amazing film editor, along with Josh Altman. I love it, man. This is one of the best we've done on the show as far as I'm concerned. Five Herzog. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, I'm not even going to bullshit on this one. I'm going to get cut straight to the, to the quick. So what I liked about this film, I'm just going to do a quick brain dump of the things. It reminded me a lot of, like, Odd Future shit. Fuck it in my white van, beat her with a nice white nightstand Until I give her gas, where it's nothing but the white me E-T-I-H-W's double D's on her knees Whitey gargle, yellow fucking bumblebees Use whitey as my dinner course for intercourse So much fucking white make Darth Vader have a thinner force I mean, I say what you will about Odd Future, it's problematic and all that But they, they're they really skate-inspired, you know? Sure And so I definitely got that sort of, like, fuck you vibe You know, that kind of new, like, the post aughts skater vibe so I liked that. There was a, like I lived by a skate house in East Nashville. There was nothing but like skaters. They're really good sponsored kids. It seemed just like that house. I'm not saying these kids had troubled childhoods, but that same vibe. So I liked that. I liked that. It reminded me of the most poignant skater film I've ever seen. Like remember back in the '90s, you'd see like the kids doing flips and all that shit. Mm-hmm. There was plenty of that, but it was so well shot. Um, I felt like. You saw how much reverence these people paid to skating. I did not grow up skateboarding. You mm-hmm. just couldn't. But I've watched my fair share of skateboarding <laughs> yeah. videos. It's kind of weird. Yeah, everyone has. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. And so the things that I saw as standouts were the way he wove in the facts about the town. How he used um, audio that was around from the radio or from TV. He interspersed it. I like that he carefully constructed the narrative of toxic masculinity causing cycles of violence from father to son, from son to spouse, and how that creates these reciprocal 
sort of relationships of like codependency between these people and that just perpetuates the cycle. I liked how he displayed the way partner violence and uh, domestic violence from like a caregiver can cause these feelings of shame and anger and how it helps perpetuate the cycle. And then for, for finally, I just think it was a damn fine movie that was shot well that really brought to the fore a lot of emotions for me. And so I also gave this movie a five. Hands down. Like if you ha- if you don't see this movie, if you care about your son, if you care about your daughter, if you care about your like the way you see the world as far as um, your interpersonal relationships with your spouses and loved ones, you have to see this movie. You yeah. have to. It might be one of the most relatable films I've ever been to. I don't know if Mining the Gap's going to get nominated. Everyone will know by now when they <laughs> yeah. hear this episode. But if it does get nominated, it's the best documentary as far as i'm concerned of 2018 so mm-hmm. far i still need to watch shirkers and the whitney documentary <laughs> yeah which right. is going to happen very soon. oh god that's gonna be sad i've heard the uh shirkers is really good as well very unique film i'm excited to watch it i'm ready to see a non-sad documentary at some point there's a documentary that came out in 2018 about i think it's like eight hours long about this mm-hmm. man who was in a chinese internment camp or something jesus so <laughs> if you ever want to do that one <laughs> That would, I think that would be that would be our longest one if we ever did get to that one. Well, we can't do that this month. Got a schedule to keep, folks. Yeah, tight schedule here. Eldridge, thanks for being with me on this one. Yeah, this was a this was a tough one. I, you know, our movie, the movies we watch are good, so I'm gonna have to make sure the next one we talk about is fucking shit. Yeah, give I'm me gonna, a shitty one. I'm gonna pick a real stupid one, and you're gonna have to watch it. Okay. Yeah, don't don't pick any like I don't know, English. Uh, Soccer documentaries or anything. Like oh, it's <laughs> like you're throwing out a little chum there. I no, might I'm just, just eat. I'm just putting it out there. Oh, man. You want the Bundesliga? No, fuck that shit. Oh, <laughs> that's right. It's a crap league. Oh, man. Football, am I right, folks? All right. Anyway, <laughs> Minding the Gap, 10 yeah. out of 10 by Bing Lu. Yeah. Great film, Bing. Catch it. We hope you hear this because. We want to know everything you do from now on, bro. I'm going to at you on Twitter, Bing. Yeah, like every five minutes. Yeah, like I'm going to be just... Okay, I'm not going to go there. We're going to stalk you online. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, uh, keep on docking. His name is Dennis because I've reached the part of my mm-hmm. notes where I did write down. <laughs> It's not Stuart being stepdad is not Stuart. Can we just can we just keep calling him Dennis or Stuart though? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bing's mom says, "Who is who is Stuart?" And his mom says, "You you know who he is." Yeah. And Bing's like, "Not really." Mm-hmm. He hosts the document. He sometimes co-hosts the documentaries podcast. Yeah, he's a real piece of work. He's too. a piece of shit. I beats his kids. But, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Like, don't put that in there. <laughs> we'll fix that in post. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. There's a thing about this show. If you say, take that out, unless you're like, listen, after the show, you're like, hey, listen, could you really take that out? Then I'll do it. But when you're on mic and you're like, all right, take that out. It's probably saying in. Oh no, but but seriously, on on air though. Yeah, you're. I right. don't. I, won't, I don't want to do it afterwards. But on air, can we can we not put that in there? Sure, sure. Okay. Oh, God, I don't trust. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Stuart beats his kid. Um, <laughs> Stuart beats his kid.
<laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. Bing tells his mother that the, the time for laughter is over. Okay. This is awful. Okay, no. This is really We're deflecting. Stuff. We're compartmentalizing. We are We're dealing with trauma here. A little yeah. bit of the, our own is starting to surface yeah. at the same time. It's true. We are deflecting. We are deflecting. Let's be serious for a moment, though, for real. Stuart beats his foot. What a fucking monster. Who's Stuart? Ha, 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 ha.